Well, Tom is uh, enjoying a respite of sorts. I don't know where he is. He's, he's so mysterious about... I think he's afraid I'm going to call him or something while he's on vacation. <laughs> he tells me nothing. But he did say that Josh Reynolds is going to be preaching this morning. Josh is a campus director of Mayhem and Chaos over at the uh, Christian Student Fellowship House there on IU's campus. The technical term is overlord. Overlord. Yeah. You look sort of overlordish this morning. Um, our college students who would recognize him are not here this morning because they're in better <laughs> places. Um, but uh, we had him down in Bedford last night. He spoke at the 8 o'clock service. You guys are going to really enjoy Josh, I think. So everyone, a warm welcome to Josh Reynolds. Thank you. Thanks. It's good to be here. Um, Christian Student Fellowship is the ministry where I get to serve and preach a little bit. I also uh, am a super volunteer here at Sherwood Oaks for all you eighth grade boy parents. Uh, the rumors are true. I am he, the one who manipulates your children towards Christ, I hope. Uh, right now, currently, there is a, a video teaching that's happening, and I am going to be preaching in two locations, in the fellowship hall currently, and then also right here. So YouTube it. I'm sure it is wonderful. Uh, it's Acts chapter 1, which is the close of my sermon this morning, so it just worked out perfectly. Um, I'm excited to close uh, the series, Steps, Walking as Jesus Walked. And you guys know that, that Jesus is, is continually walking towards the cross, when we see Jesus' ministry in, in the Gospels, he is constantly walking towards the cross. And in the meantime, though, he's doing life together with his disciples, men and women, giving his disciples uh, his words so that they become the church. And so that's the idea behind multiplication this morning. I want to look at uh, three episodes from the life of Peter but I ultimately want to get to how the church itself, how we got here, and how the church then multiplies and continues to spread into all the world. And so that's what, that's what we want to look at this morning. So I'd love to pray for us and then invite you to read some scripture with me. Heavenly Father, we invite you to this place. We invite your spirit to be active. Got to pray that, that we see new things, unique things in scripture um, and God, we'll call that a gift. We'll call that your spirit moving among us. Um, and so I pray for attentive hearts that we see you, God, and that we're challenged. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 5 tells uh, the same two stories. We find uh, Peter at the end of a fruitless day of fishing. He's sitting on the beach. The sun's coming up, and he's washing his nets, getting ready to shut down his day of work. At the same time, Jesus is walking along the seashore towards where Peter's washing his nets, closing his day. Jesus is just getting ready to start his day, and he has a crowd of people following him. If you heard Tom last week, Tom said at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's been preaching, teaching, healing, feeding, ding, 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 for about 18 months. And so the reason that the crowd of people are following Jesus is because they're hungry. Luke says they're hungry to hear the word of Jesus. I know that at this point, Jesus has been casting out demons, and Jesus has been feeding upwards of 11,000 plus women and children people. And so really, people are there for breakfast and a show, best case scenario. 
And so to escape the crush of the crowd, Jesus says, Peter, would, would, you, would you row me out a little bit into the water so I can teach the people? And Jesus sits down in the boat and Peter keeps uh, the boat steady-ish in the shore. And when he's done teaching, Jesus says, Peter, throw your nets into the deep. Now this is kind of interesting because Jesus has just used Peter's vocational skills to keep the boat stationary so he could do his thing, Jesus' thing. But then he looks at Peter and says, now throw your boat into the deep. Now, I would never tell Ken Mitchell or Darren Mitchell or Jeremy Moore, I would never tell those guys when or where to fish, especially not in the Sea of Galilee, because I would never throw nets into the deep water of the Sea of Galilee because fish can only be caught with a net in the shallows. And, sh and fish are going to be caught in the shallows because that's where the sunlight can hit the grounds where breakfast can grow for the fish. And when the sunlight comes, actually, if I'm throwing a giant net out into shallow water, the fish are like, uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> There's plenty of time for them to sketch out of the way. But Peter doesn't say that in humility. He throws his net into the deep. And what is about to happen in that moment, you guys may or may not know, is that when he pulls up the net back into his boat, there are so many fish that come into his boat that it threatens to swamp his boat. In fact, he's going down literally in the Sea of Galilee and he has to wave to his friends and start to schlep off fish to the other boats so that way he doesn't sink. See how I did that? Yeah, y'all got it. Okay, good. This is exciting. Two elements of multiplication for our church this morning from this one story. The first element is that Jesus never calls Peter to the temple. Jesus doesn't say, Pete, you gotta come to church with me. See, 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 Jesus knows exactly where Peter is and he walks straight to him and enters Peter's world. In fact, using Peter's skills so that way he can then also engage with Peter's life. Because the material world of fishing runs smack into the supernatural world of a giant haul of fish. And at that moment, our second principle of multiplication, which is when the material world got interrupted by the supernatural world, Peter had to make a spiritual decision. When the material world got interrupted by the supernatural world, Peter had to make a spiritual decision. Decision. Do you know what Peter's words were? He said, Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. That's spiritual conversation right there. Now, here's the kicker. I can handle the material world. I know how to study. I know how to walk and drive, take the doors off of a Jeep. I know how to do all those things, but I don't get to manipulate the supernatural world of God. So what's my role whenever the material world is interrupted by the supernatural world of God? My role is to be ready for a spiritual conversation. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do to Peter. See, when he says, Lord, go away from me, I'm a sinful man, he makes that spiritual conversation. Do you know what Jesus' words are? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, Jesus responded with the life that would be set out ahead of where Peter was going. That takes us to the second episode in Peter's life. Once again, it's a fruitless night of fishing for Peter and the boys. 
See, last week was a, an emotional roller coaster of a week because last week was Easter. This is John chapter 21. Peter and the boys have seen Jesus falsely arrested. They've seen a rigged trial. They've seen the one they love beaten, killed, a spear up into the side, taken off the cross, put into a tomb, the tomb sealed, rolled around, and guards placed. But that was all last week. And what we know from last week is that Mary and the girls also saw that, and then they also went to the tomb. Wait, they got to look in, and there's no body there. There's no body there. So Peter and the girls run to tell John. They run to tell Peter. And so all of a sudden, this hope that's happened gets us to the point of John chapter 21. Peter and the guys are fishing again. And once again, it's a fruitless night. And someone over on the shore says, did you guys catch anything? Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You know what's about to happen, right? The material world's about to smash into the supernatural. Yeah? And in John 21, the disciple named John says, it is the Lord, spiritual response. Material met with the supernatural requires a spiritual response. It is the Lord. And Peter yells, man overboard! Does a can opener into the water, swims as fast as he can to get to the feet of Jesus, a spiritual response. See, Peter knows where he's safe. Peter knows where he's fully known. Peter knows where to run to after an emotional roller coaster of a week. And there on the seashore is breakfast. Now this is not a Freudian slip. It just kept showing up food, but I'm hungry right now. When was the last time we saw Peter at a fire? See, Peter's just swum out of the Sea of Galilee and his soggy bottom is sitting by Jesus, eating breakfast, warming himself up by the fire. But when was the last time we saw Peter at a fire? It was last week. During that emotional roller coaster. That was the moment when a little girl pointed her finger at Peter and said, I know you. Peter said, no, no, I don't know. I'm not one of Jesus' disciples. And then a second person said, yeah, 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 yeah. We know you. You're one of his disciples. And Peter said, I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys, I'm not. And then a third person says, I know you. You were with him in the garden. You are the one that cut off my cousin's ear, Pete. Peter's response, I swear I don't know him. That's what happened the last time we saw Peter at a fire. And now we've got John 21 where Peter's at a fire again. This time he's with who? Jesus. And Jesus asks him three questions. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? I swear. I swear I love you, Jesus. The next level of multiplication is found right here because I didn't tell you what Jesus said after he said, do you love me? He said, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Care for my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. 
See, that's the process that you and I get to understand. But here's the heartbeat of it. Peter is moving from fisherman to shepherd. Guys, if our church is to multiply, we must move from fishermen where we just throw out this net to learning how to feed lambs, care for sheep, and feed sheep. To multiply our church, we must move from fishermen to shepherds. So let's look at that really quickly. Feed my lambs. One of my favorite books in all of scripture is John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, we see the good shepherd. You guys know this one? Early in the morning, the good shepherd moves into the sheepfold, and you know what's in his pockets? Breakfast. It's, it's, it's tender shoots. It's nutrient-dense food, but it's for a certain type of sheep in the fold. It's for the lambs. It's for the, it's for the broken. It's for the orphan. It's for the, it's for the sheep that need the sustenance to get where the shepherd is going to take them. See, bringing breakfast to the least of these is what we hear Jesus say over and over and over and over in scripture. Let me tell you, it's Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is separating his flock into sheep and goats. And the goats start back-talking Jesus. I love that story. See, I've got four girls, and they back-talk a lot because they're, they're strong-willed women. And, uh, and every time they back-talk from here on out, I'm just going to look at them and go, eh. <laughs> every time they back-talk, I'm be like, get out, goat. I don't want that. You know what the sh- goats are back-talking about? When did I see you hungry? When did I see you thirsty? When did I see you lonely? When did I see you in jail? When did I see you naked? And Jesus' response to the back-talking goats is not, eh. It's when you have done this to who? The least of these, you've done it to me. I mean, this is goosebumps up the back of my shaved head. Not bald, guys, shaved. (laughs) When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Guys, here's what I need you to hear. To do it to the least of these is that you and I know intimately where our identity is found. See, to feed sheep is to say, I'm sorry, to feed lambs is to say words like, I love you, you're safe, will you forgive me? I forgive you. That is feed my lamb language from an understanding of the gospel because here's what the gospel says. It says, when Christ went to the cross, his purpose, we were completely loved. We were completely forgiven. We were completely safe from that point on because John 10, 10 says that I have come that you may have life to the full, but there's also an evil. Like there is real brokenness out there. And not in a human brokenness way, but in an an evil sort of way. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So feed my lambs to say, I love you, you're safe, and will you forgive me? I forgive you. That requires a depth of understanding of the gospel. It means for the spiritually curious, for the ones who are young in their faith, to the ones who have been hurt by the church, to those who are orphaned, 
Now, all of a sudden, feed my lambs is a multiplication language. We tracking? Good, here's the second one. The second one is, Peter, do you love me? Care for my sheep. Care for my sheep is back to my John 10, the good shepherd. The good shepherd says, I know my sheep. I know their names. But not only that, the sheep know my voice. So I know them, but they know me. Care for my sheep says, says that I know God. I have intimate relationship with him, but I also have intimate relationship with the sheep that I'm leading because the sheep follow me. I lead them out. This is important because in the sheepfold, you have multiple, mer- multiple herds mixed together. Merds, mixed herds. It's a mixed word. I rhymed it, sorry. <laughs> We're, I'm used to college kids, so you can say stuff like that and they all just kind of roll their eyes. It's good. <clears throat> I had to go back to my my text there because lead my sheep out to where they are going to go. Like I've prepped the lambs, but now I've got to lead the flock. This is Psalm 23 language for me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, Like where am I coming from? I'm coming from the safety of the fold through the valley of the shadow of death. Like that's scary, y'all. That's scary, but I can walk that way because I know a good shepherd. Why do I know a good shepherd? Because I'm, I'm like a lamb to Jesus' story. I know I'm completely loved, completely forgiven. I'm completely safe to follow him. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. If we're gonna be people that lead sheep, if we're gonna care for a flock, what we must do is speak from wisdom and humility. And so the number one thing that I can do as a preacher is only say what I see here in scripture. I don't want you to hear, Josh, in this, in this sermon. What I want you to hear is the language of scripture, the beauty of the story in complete humility and also wisdom because that protects through the valley of the shadow of death. That means that I move into the broken places of the world. That means that I get to move on to campus. That means I get to move into death. That I get to move from the jails towards baptism, towards repentance, towards forgiveness, towards love that does not change, no matter the circumstance. That's care for the sheep. But it can only be done when I've already been the lamb and I'm intimately nourished by I love you, I forgive you, and you're safe with me. Brings us to the third level. The outcome of feeding the sheep. Peter, do you you love me? Feed my sheep. This is Ephesians 4, and I need to read this because it's a, a little bit of a long passage. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So we just rattled off five people who are, are to be standing up and doing what I'm doing right now. But then Ephesians 4.12 says why. You ready? Ephesians 4.12. To equip his people. That's y'all. My role is to stand up here and only say things that I can point to in scripture to equip you for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My job right now is to prepare you to show you Christ in full humility and power 
so that you can go work, so that you can go be shepherds. You can move into the places where folks are far from Christ until we all reach unity in the faith, until we all reach the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is talking about the attitude of our heart. Did you just hear what Ephesians 4.13 said? It said that you and I are to work to make everybody else look like Christ. Your head should explode because we can't do that. We can't do that. But that's where the material world that you and I know must be met with a supernatural world that only God and the Holy Spirit can do so that way you and I can move into it spiritually aware like shepherds. And at that point, the church itself multiplies. You see, guys, that's a mystery. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's not a process. That's not a system. There's no secret sauce to get that right. That's you and I moving forward with an identity of feeding lambs, caring for sheep, and feeding sheep. And Peter aces the test. Third, final episode here. See, disciples who could make disciples who could make disciples was Jesus' metric of success. Disciples who could make disciples was Jesus' metric of success. There was no plan B for the disciples. <laughs> I mean, it was those guys and gals who walked alongside Jesus and his lives were transformed and heard this shepherding language. They were it. They were the plan. Guys, we're the plan. Acts chapter 2. Um, Acts chapter 2, the church begins to, begins to shape because that's when the Holy Spirit came down in full power. The book of Acts chapter 2 says 16 different languages were heard in Jerusalem on that one day from people who couldn't speak the language. 16 different languages when the power of the Holy Spirit came. And the people who are hearing this hope of Jesus, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're safe. For the first time in their own language, they said, what do we do? And Peter stepped up. Peter said, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. See, Peter gets it right. But as I was studying for this sermon, what I saw was from that moment, Acts chapter two, within two years, Acts chapter five says, the disciples filled Jerusalem with their teaching. Within four years, the disciples were multiplying churches, Acts chapter nine. Within 19 years, the growth, listen to this, had turned the whole world upside down. Acts chapter 17, verse six. Within 28 years, the book of Colossians says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. This is multiplication. The reality of multiplication is that, is that you and I are effective when the people that we walk alongside begin to walk alongside other people. And there's no math equation that gets that one right. Guys, that's a complete mystery. And so for some of you, you may have never heard the message of the hope of the gospel. I love you. You're forgiven. You're safe. That's a call to follow Christ. If you've never heard that, I would love to pray for you afterwards. I'll be right down here. 
For some of you, however, you need to hear, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, I'll make you fishers of men says, you move with intentionality into the places where people are far from Christ. Because Jesus walked along the seashore. He didn't call Peter to the temple. He moved into their world. I'll make you fishers of men. And some of you need to hear this. Follow me and feed my lambs. Find your identity in the hope, forgiveness, and safety of Christ. And then, and then learn just to tell that story to the least of these. Because that's, that's food. That's water. That's clothing. That's security. That's care for sheep. And for the people that know this language of feed my lambs, care for my sheep, feed my sheep, you guys are multiplying our church. That's exciting. 